and literally from a block away, I see the profile of Lenny Kravitz start driving this really cool Mercedes. And he's just looking, Lenny Kravitz is cool. And I see him from a block away. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to catch up to this guy. So I did about three illegal moves, pulled on the illegal, on the other side of the street and pulled right up to him. And I'm like, roll down your window. And he's looking at me like I'm a hitman or I'm like, or I'm a crazy. And I'm like, roll down your window. And he finally rolled down. And he like rolled down a little. And I'm like, Lenny, what's up? I was like, funny enough, I was on your Googling all your images of your design work. I said, I'm building two homes right now. We have to work together. Hello and welcome to the Digs Influencers Titans of Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Warren Dow. And... A brief introduction to our next guest. If the luxury real estate industry had a monarchy, our next guest would surely be considered the king and queen. With over 1.1 billion in sales just last year alone in 2021, and over 9 billion in their career, this power couple continues to write the book on selling one-of-a-kind luxury homes and estates in Southern California. With A-list celebrity clients like Jennifer Lopez, Bruce Willis, Angelina Jolie, Dr. Dre, Cher, and Jeremy Renner, just to name a few. Please welcome to the show two titans of real estate, Brandon and Rainey Williams. Applause. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor, and uh, we appreciate being here today. All right, likewise. So before we begin, I have a very, very important question I'm going to ask you guys, okay? Um, it's a big one. So, I'm nervous. All right. Don't be nervous. Here, here it is. Who wears the pants in the Williams family? Obviously, Rainy. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, where my life would be without her. Uh, she really helps run a tight ship and lets me kind of be free and do my thing. But um, she, she's the, uh, the, the brains to the business. That's a good answer, Brandon. Well done. <laughs> well He's done. All right. He's gonna get a bonus later for that. Yeah, he's a, he's he's in the he's in the on the good the good uh, list right now, right? So, yeah. Rainy, I'm gonna pick on you first, okay? Okay. So you were born uh, in Pittsburgh, right? I was. Cool, and then you kind of grew up in different areas, right? Was in, even in Italy at one point. That's right. So tell us about that. Uh, well, my. My parents are both Italian. My father was an Italian immigrant and my mother was a first generation. So Italian culture, especially like in New York and East Coast, Pittsburgh, it's very important, more so than here. And so I was always like told, you know, my neighborhood was Italian, my whole family, it was just a very big thing. And I did, I actually had the opportunity to study there. So I moved there for college, during college. And it was an amazing experience. It was in 19, uh, was it 90? It was mid 99 or 2000, right around there when Americans were really revered by Europeans, especially Italians. So I was in, I lived in a small town called Urbino, which was the birthplace of Raphael. There was a lot of beautiful art and history as Italy has it. And there were just people loving this American girl. I was 19 years old and there was one piazza and I came through it every day to go to class and they'd be like, Americano ragazza, like here I come, like the American girl. And they would ask me what, like, what do these red hot chili pepper songs mean? Like, what does that mean? They would want me, anything American, like tell us about American movies. 
what do you guys eat? You know, like anything that I would wear, they'd be like, where did you get this in America? You know? So it's a different time now when we go to, you know, Europe, it's, it's so integrated because the, the world has become so global. So we're not that special anymore as Americans. <laughs> How cool. What a, what a cool upbringing. So when did you get, get to back to the States then? Um, well, then I went back to college um, a few years later, and then I graduated from Ohio State University, and I came straight to Los Angeles. All right, and and you were did you and you were you did some writing, right? You were a journalist for a while. Yes, I had a journalism degree, and I um, I did some writing, freelance writing, when I got to Los Angeles. That's the reason I came here. Who did because, you write for? Oh, I, I wrote for the E Network. I wrote uh, freelance for a, a few different um, publications. One was called the Domestic Time, Domestic Staff at Times, or something. It was, it was quite a wild ride because it was something that I could not support myself doing, but it was my passion. And I had basically an ultimatum from my family around 25 that you know you need to figure it out. So I got into mortgages. All right. Well, we're going to come back to the mortgage thing because it was a it was a different kind of mortgage, right? It was it was uh, what kind of mortgage? Subprime. Subprime. Yeah. So yeah. So Brandon, I want to pick on you now. You were you're a local guy, right? You were born and raised in Beverly Hills, right? Born and raised. I was actually born in Tarzana, so Valley Boy. Valley okay. Boy. And then I moved around four or five years old to the Fairfax district where my grandmother lived and my grandparents owned a shoe store in downtown Los Angeles. So realistically, my roots are like around like between Beverly and Melrose in the Fairfax district. And then I used an address to go to Beverly Hills school systems because at the time it had the best school systems and special programs for a special guy like me, like learning uh, education. Um, they called it learning improvement at the time. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the story about you. So you at like age, what, seven? Yeah. Your, your, your dad had a, a shop on, on Fairfax, right? Well, my dad, no, actually my dad had, sh uh, he had corners all over town, unpermitted corners that he would set up shop on fences and sell. He was an actor, an out of work actor, and he would sell cow hides and sheepskins, which in the eighties, everybody had sheepskin car covers on their cars. So we would set up all over town and we would sell on the corners. And if I wanted a skateboard, if I wanted a jacket, if I wanted anything, I would have to, you know, kind of earn it and, uh, and, and sell sheepskins. And I got very good at an early age sizing people up because you literally had between five and 30 seconds on a corner uh, to engage somebody and mm -hmm. really read them and see if you're if they're real or not. Oh, cool! That so invaluable early experience on just how communication, right? Yeah, communication, yeah, and I really think that was the base for my salesmanship and 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 really being good at what I do now. Which time is everything in real estate, and I mean clients could just waste and suck your time as we learn as new agents. And uh, and so figuring people out, sizing up, and where to spend your time is 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 very valuable. And you, so did, how did you get into acting? You were an actor for a brief amount of time, right? Uh, well, I still am. Don't have an agent. Don't want an agent, but <laughs> I still um, 
I like to call it street cred. So, you know, <laughs> I was just in the show called The Offer. I did three episodes. I played uh, I played Gianni Russo's character in uh, in um, in the in the offer, which was the making of The Godfather. And I got a call out of the blue from a casting director, and I said, "Why not?" So it's the making of The Godfather, and I sold um, to the one of the executive producers of Entourage, and they put me on five episodes, but. In the in the mid '90s, uh, I had an agent for about seven years, and I made a living as an actor, being in uh, teen films like Can't Hardly Wait, Never Been Kissed, Halloween H2O, and I never really wanted to be an actor, but it was one of the best trainings I ever had. I studied method acting, and I really use method acting in in, in sales in real estate because method acting is about how do you get to the truth the fast enough, and I really use that technique in sales in real estate. So I've had a, a lot of great training over the years that I never knew would be for real estate, but it it, 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 it worked in my favor. It's awesome. You guys are, <clears throat> there, there's so much cool things about you and because you guys both bring so much individuality, um, but together you're like this potent mix of style, sophistication, communication, like all this cool stuff, you know? Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. I think it lends to your uh, career success, too, because you, you, you've got so many different tools, if you will, um, yeah. in, in your tool case, you know, that you can that you can go to. Um, you guys want to talk about real estate or should we just stick to the other stuff? Just let's keep getting. Confident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is, you know, we want to talk a little bit about real estate. So you guys, the the dat your your numbers blow my mind. I mean, and I, we've talked. I mean, um, you know, with the what I call the Rat Pack, we've we've you know we've made the rounds with Santiago and Aaron Kerman and you know Joyce Ray, all all the like. So we like the, the numbers at some point don't don't really daunt me or daunt us, you know. But your numbers are like are hmm. I mean, did you hit ten billion yet in sales? Or are you just just underneath? Yeah, ten bill. You're 10 bill. I mean, it's 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 yeah. off the charts. Last year, 1.1 billion, right? Yeah, this year, this year, I believe we're over 1.1 billion. But you know, to for us, it's just about staying hungry and doing the same things that we did when we started, and that's constantly farming, constantly dialing for dollars, staying out there, looking at inventory, and covering all bases, and strategizing you know, to basically get there before our, our um, comrades or our competition. So, so what does dialing for dollars like look like to you guys? Because you guys have eight listings over 50 million right now. Well, so you know, just dialing for dollars is calling another agent and saying, this is the best. Why aren't you showing this property? I heard you have a client and this makes perfect sense for your client and really strategizing and connecting the dots and putting deals together or uh, right now, I just had one of my agents. I saw a, a new um, development coming up, and I'm like, you need to be there right now. Show up with the package. I, I want you to be there. I want you to take a picture. Tell me who you met with. If you need me to show up instantly to meet with that developer, this is a new great listing, and I think we should have it. So it's constantly coming up with new ideas, picking up the phone, and using, uh, really using it. I'm from the old school. I don't like emails, really. So I like to call people and I like to talk to people and stay connected and have them hear our voice and constantly strategize on what's our next deal, how we're going to put it together. And uh, and I think that's really the key to our success 
And, you know, I work with an agent all the time, Chris Cortazzo. And I mean, I think he does that better than anybody. Yeah, he does. So uh, I like to not reinvent the wheel. I like to just, you know, stick with the wheel. And, you know, I like to obviously put different tires on it and shapes and sizes, but like constantly creating and, and coming up with ideas. No, I love that. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's sort of the lost art in real estate. Everyone, you, there's so much new, shiny new toys in real estate with marketing, whatever. Everyone forgets the fundamentals, right? Yeah. And you, you go back, what's always worked? Picking up the damn phone. It's always worked. Or showing up or meeting for meeting for lunch, meeting anywhere and just staying connected. And, and we really say, you know, compasses came up with, we have the algorithm, we have the technology. And at our firm and at the Beverly Hills Estates and we're a, a real estate club, we talk about we are the algorithm. No computer is going to take us out yeah, yeah. I love to it. do what we do. A computer doesn't have a sixth sense. A computer doesn't have relationships, can't read people. Okay, And you never know, picking up the phone and going, how are you doing today? And just checking in with somebody's well-being could, who knows where that lens it goes, oh my God, thank you so much for calling. You know what, actually my friend's looking at selling their house or my friend's looking at buying a house. Let me connect you with them. Just doing the right thing and caring about people, uh, I, I believe grows our business. That's awesome. You know, it reminds me, I was at my, my son, my 15 year old's baseball game on Saturday. And after the game, the kids are cleaning the field. It's fall ball. Right. And one of the parents came up and how's business, you know, knows I'm in the real estate business. And he asked a really profound question. It was kind of like, Hey, all these big agents that are in the, in your magazine and you talk to on the pocket, like what makes them so successful? Like, what is it? Like, what makes them so what's the, their secret sauce? Like what, what, what are they doing different, you know? And I, I thought about that for a second. I said, you know, the, the cross, the, the one thing that, that the similarity I see in all of them, it's like they're master networkers. Yeah. yeah. And it's communicate like in, in, for you guys, it's the same with Cortaza, all these guys, you guys have such a tight like network and circle and, and your combined Rolodexes are like crazy. Who's who, right? Those are the people that can afford these, these homes. So, it's the compounding of the network, right? It's staying engaged. It's really staying engaged. And, you know, instead of looking at other agents as your, you know, as your adversaries or your, your competition, it's, it's, you never know where, when you're going to need a favor or you're going to connect a deal. So it's really trying to stay positive. How can we work together? And I always say, you know, uh, how much money do you make? building bridges, a lot more than burning bridges. So it's, it's constantly reminding yourself that. Yeah. Great. So let's go back a little bit. Um, when you guys met, you guys started out at Norman, right? Yes. And were you, okay. Was that your first stint in real estate? Like your first brokerage you worked at? Both of you? Yeah. Ours, yeah. Okay. And so tell us how you guys, how you met. He told me he was gay and that I didn't have to worry about him. <laughs> that was his line, huh? Very disarming. So I thought I had a friend. <laughs> um, he, that's a true story. But he, I was at the firm for maybe half a year or so. And then I had a listing because I used to door knock and drive around. And our boss, our mentor. Used that, to, you still do. <laughs> 
Our boss told us to pick our target area, which is great advice. We tell our agents, pick your target area and become a specialist. So I love Truesdale. And funny enough, that's our target area still. To this day, we love Truesdale. So we live there and we've sold a, a billion dollars just in that neighborhood. So back then in 2006, it wasn't a, a place that you really, it wasn't desired, right? So anyway, I got this, I, would, I went to a construction site, I got a listing and Brandon joined the firm and I just had this one listing. And I had, I think I had closed one or two deals before. And he, my cubicle was here and his was here. And I obviously thought he was so handsome and he had a suit on and he, he was studying flashcards, which I was very intrigued with because he's a perfectionist and he's a strategist and he has this method acting background. Right. So he takes every task very seriously, whether it's, you know, taking our kids to something. He wants to know, like, what you know, everything about where we're going and the best way to get there and where we're going to eat it. Like the whole thing is everything's strategy with Brandon. And so I saw him studying these flashcards. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, why is he studying flashcards? Right. But he really was doing like sales tips and techniques. I guess you can talk more to that. And then my cubicle was here. I remember he came over to my cubicle. I had a picture of my mother and I, he commented that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I, thought that was like that was cute but it was also an older saying that I you know and I was like this young guy like saying this I was like is he hitting on me like what is he saying and then he said but you don't have to worry about me because I'm gay and he scurried off and I was like okay and I told some of the girls I was like you know that Brandon Williams that just joined the firm I mean he's he's so cute you know the, the gay guy that just joined and they were like Brandon Williams is not gay they're like that guy is not gay <laughs> and so anyway he had a girlfriend i had a boyfriend and we became partners because he didn't have anything didn't have anything didn't have anything and then he had six deals and they all popped at once and the, the manager said look brandon i'm going to pair you up with this older woman who's going to help you there's a lot of minutiae to these deals and moving parts and you've got to get with somebody because you don't know what you're doing and I said, Brandon, I'm looking at his clientele and they're all like young Hollywood guys like himself. I'm like, this woman's not a good fit for free. I'm going to mentor you and do the, I'll do the paperwork essentially. And he said, you don't have to do it for free. I'll pay you. But that sounds good. The next thing I know, it is all consuming because these deals and the clients and my manager said to me, Rainey, you can do this, but you will have no life and you will have no career you will just have to be with Brandon. And she wasn't wrong. That's okay. Oh my gosh. Well, this is real life. We're, we're real. Yeah. We're, we're live. That's a client. Sorry, go ahead. No, so that's, so that's how it started. And so we did these deals and you know, he's, I, I said, whatever, give me like a referral 20, 30%. He said, Randy, I'm going to give you 50% because that was hard. And he saw, and our immediately our yin and yang kind of kicked in. And it's like, it, it just took over where I'm more nurturing as a woman. It just is the way I am as a mother. I wasn't a mother back then. I was a young girl, but I was like holding the hands of these clients of his where he wasn't going to do that, but he's the ultimate, uh, you know, exciter. He's the ultimate, like you want his energy, he, he sells something to you, it becomes appealing and they, he got them going. And then he, he's air, he's a Libra, he's an air sign. I'm a Capricorn, I'm an earth sign. I bring him, I bring it down, he brings it up and we kind of find this balance and that's our dance. And that was in 2006. 
uh, uh, just a little more. It, being more than an ultimate salesman, I think it's about solutions and figuring out problems for realtors and how to solve and fix problems. And I always say time kills deals. And people think, ah, I don't need to actually step up and move there. I, listen, most people have places to live and most people are trying to move up. But I'm really good at saying, you know, you worked this hard. This is what you dreamed of. You dreamed of having a pool. You dreamed of living in a walkable neighborhood or being in this location. Like, let's go for it. You only live once. Like, let's do it. And then figuring out all the minutiae and the problems and, you know, all the uh, inspections that come up when, oh, my God, and all these red alarms that basically tell you don't buy this property. You don't need this extra headache. And a great realtor really helps push the deal along and says, yes, you do. This is what you, you this is what you started. Now let's finish it. And uh, going back to meeting Rainey, I was originally went to school for fashion. I love fashion. She has amazing style and she was wearing a vintage dress. And I was like, who is this cool girl? And she had this great attitude and she was super cool. And I went up and started talking with her and she started um, reciting Wedding Crashers, which is an amazing <laughs> movie. And that's how the lingo started. And it was kind of like peanut butter and jelly. It just worked and it meshed. And we started, she helped me with my first six deals. And then on the eighth month, we met somebody at a restaurant because we would go to a lot of the hotspot restaurants and meet people and talk to people and engage. And we're doing real estate. People are like, when did you start doing real estate? Weren't you an actor? And I was like, no, I've been doing real estate forever. This is what we're doing. But we hit it so fast. We hit it so hard with so much energy and we dressed the part and we basically said, let's fake it till we make it. And we believed it. And that's what we've always done. And listen, we're always learning and we're always trying to connect the dots. And, you know, being a realtor, it's kind of like an actor. You're only good as your last deal. And I hate to say that, but it's like some days, you know, I wake up and I'm like, is this the end of the market? Is this the end of the run just because we're human? And that's what, how you know, our, our brains go to that. And so you got to stay fresh and you got to just stay hungry and go, wait, let's go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And the basics are cold calling, looking at inventory, being a specialist in your neighborhood and, and, and really living and breathing real estate. And that's what we've done. We put all our money back into real estate. We have tons of investment properties. We have homes and, 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 and just staying hungry and staying, um, staying in the gratitude. And I really think that's the, the power of our success and our camaraderie. We just, we, we really attack it together. And I was just thinking about Rainy, how many deals she's done in Montecito. She's closing another deal in Montecito. And, you know, I really knew nothing about Montecito except it was this beautiful place and it was really far away from from where we really were. And it's like I was thinking about what an amazing agent she was today. Like, wow, she's out in Montecito. It's like she's put like seven deals in Montecito together in the last in the last year. And I haven't done one. So it's 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 pretty amazing, like to have a partner and, and really realize that, you know, that kind of work. And I get to also take credit for it. I take credit for all your stuff. So, you know what I was thinking too about the the nuances that we were talking about. What Brandon's really good at is like, and and I've learned I learned so much from him. Like he, you know, I met him when I was twenty five. So, and he had all this training. He wasn't that much older than me. He was thirty, but he had he grew up here, and he had the keys to the city, as I always said. Because when you drove around with Brandon, he knew the fastest way to get there. He knew the back streets. He know he knew everybody. 
And he just, you know, he was born and bred. And so what this technique that I learned from Brandon, which is part of his strategist mindset is he finds the product, right? If it's this phone, if it's this, you know, case, and he really embodies it and he takes it in and he takes it and he touches it, he feels it, he uses it. So when he walks into a house, he really knows every material. He knows about the fireplace. So when I say he's the ultimate salesperson, it's because he can break that down in a different, like he'll walk in and open a house up and light it up in a way that, you know, sometimes you go in and agents have the doors closed or the blinds closed. They don't have the right music on. He sets the tone, the music, the scent, the touch, feel, every sense. And I learned that from him. And it, it, it is something that I didn't really have in me, but it's, it's a deeper way of living life. Because if you do that in your business, in your career, and it also rolls over into your life, it teaches you to just not eat your food, but taste the food. And that, you know, it's like a whole experience. And that's what makes a great salesperson. Because I can tell you, we've pulled people out of sales if it was a shitty property, bad location, something that, you know, we didn't believe in, but even though they were kind of like, we love this and we want this, we tiptoe around it. We go there with them. We sit with them for a minute and we're like, guys, we hate to break it to you. And I, you probably remember this one particular young couple, remember Danica? And what we're sitting there, this has been multiple times and we're like, we hate to break it to you. We are not letting you buy this. We're going to only sell what we believe in. And early on in our career, we were like, we can take everything that comes our way or we can take on what we believe and we can go on brand. And then it, it hurts a little bit more, right? Because you're really putting it out there for this particular brand and, and, and holding out for it. But that's what we did. And that's how we created the respect of our, our, our clients and friends and also the brand Williams and Williams which you know is still us. We're just under the brokerage of the Beverly Hills Estates, but that's how we made Williams and Williams was by believing in it. I think going on that the ultimate salesman doesn't mean selling everything. The ultimate salesman means having integrity, working with others, doing the right thing, and then really selling what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And what you believe yeah. in is 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 great homes and great deals or great locations, locations yeah. and architecture and, and lifestyle. And that's really what we do. And, you know, I look at myself much bigger than a realtor. I look at myself as like a, a, a massive film director or producer where you're wearing so many hats and you have to really, you know, set the tone. And, and, and obviously my favorite directors are Scorsese and Kubrick. And it's like when you watch their movies, there's filled with so many, there's so many gifts in these movies. Right. So it's like, how could I bring this in? Uh, or, or my favorite bands, Led Zeppelin, how can I bring this kind of, this art into selling? And, and really yeah. I believe when you come into one of our homes, like I'm not turning on lights and it's already all done. The tone is set. I want to be able to sit back and relax and let people really embody the space and feel the energy and the flow and then just help point out the positives. And if they have negatives, really talk about the negatives and explore them. This is what's profound. So, so this is what's profound. Like just hearing you guys describe how you work. And what I find really, really cool is Brandon, your acting career like you approach these homes, as Rainey said, like like the home is the character that you're going to play, if you mm -hmm. will. You're going to get into that headspace so well that you are the home in a, in a sense. 
You are yeah. embodying the spirit and the vibe and the structure and the emotion and the energy and the whole thing. And you're so when people come into that zone and you're representing that zone, it's like it makes perfect sense where that that energy just, you know, is unleashed. Um, it's really cool. And you guys, what you've done amazingly, too, and you and it's not by accident, is the way you go to market and all the things that you embody, like the music, like the, the, the aesthetic, mm -hmm. the sophistication, the style that you look at it like movies, right? It's like, so in, in embodying that in the market, when you, I call it like market positioning, when you, when you reflect that back out in the market, that's what comes to you. So you wonder why all your homes that you list are, they're all one of a kind, oh my, OMGs. They're all like, these homes are off the charts, you know? And, and because they're magnetized to you guys because of your, you follow? You follow what yeah, I'm of course, of course. saying sort of? And listen, yeah. it's not about the number and it's not about the price. Honestly, people all the time, I love, I love million, $2 million homes. I love $600,000 homes. I love, my dream is to own a little 800 square foot A-frame somewhere in the, like I love all different homes and everything, but you're right. It, 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 homes really are the movie and it's how do you tell that story and what is this story going to tell for your family or your lifestyle? I mean, a home really says a lot about you and the more you embrace it, the more, I mean, if you look at our homes, you'll be like, wow, like you guys, people, we just had a birthday party for our kids and they, they came over at home and we live in this really cool mid-century that it's a brand new home that we built in Truesdale, but we basically gave it the ultimate homage to Truesdale and you, Truesdale is where home. Yeah, what? that's Jack Charney, right? So, yeah, so yeah. But uh, we, I did we my research on you guys, but I want to I hear the story I love your home. Saw pictures of it. It's Excellent. it's you know it's 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 absolutely Williams and Williams like no, <laughs> right. Um, but what the cool thing about that the story was, who's your interior designer and how did you meet that person? Okay, Tell so us the story. This, this is a great story. I went on a journey of of stylistic, and I have an eclectic style. And if you study Truesdale, Truesdale was full of artists, full of entertainment, full of producers. And, and these artists and entertainment and producers, and it was mixed between, you know, entertainers like Elvis Presley or Frank Sinatra or Danny Thomas with all of these different colorful characters, you know, Ringo Starr and all these people that live there with the producers and the directors of Hollywood, which, you know, um, were these really cool people. And they went on all these different safaris uh, uh, wherever it was if they were filming a movie and or going on a show in asia or if they were going to africa so if you looked at a lot of these old homes when we were showing them they still had all of these nuances of these different places that they brought home all these different artifacts with this mid-century style so i was going on a journey on who what interior designer could help me you know bring this to life and I came and this one interior designer was like, oh, you would love Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, Lenny Kravitz, the musician, he's a, she's like, yes, you would love his style. So I went on and I was on his, and I was Googling his stuff for three hours, four hours until 2.33 on the clock in the morning. The next day I'm driving through Beverly Hills 
And literally from a block away, I see the profile of Lenny Kravitz start driving this really cool Mercedes. And he's just looking, Lenny Kravitz is cool. And I see him from a block away. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to catch up to this guy. So I did about three illegal moves, pulled on the illegal, on the other side of the street and pulled right up to him. And I'm like, roll down your window. And he's looking at me like I'm a hitman or I'm like, or I'm a crazy. And I'm like, roll down your window. And he finally rolled down. He like rolled out a little. And I'm like, Lenny, what's up? I was like, funny enough, I was on your Googling all your images of your design work. I said, I'm building two homes right now. We have to work together. And I said, I'm building two really cool things. And he was like, call Kirsten right now who runs his whole firm. Text her, run the profile. If it makes sense, let's do it. I call her, I tell her where the locations were at, tell her the idea, everything. And she was like, okay. And Lenny was in town for the Hunger Games. And he was like, let's meet up at the sites. And I showed him the sites, my one in Truesdale and our Stanley house. And he was like, let's see if we can work together. And I thought he was going to send me. And, you know, I'm a, we're, this was our first home and we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, and we were like, and he gave us a really reasonable number. You know, it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't like, I thought he was going to charge us for like doing a rock show for like $3 million. You know? <laughs> exactly. and, and he gave us something that was, you know, reasonable and super cool. And his firm was in New York and Kirsten who was running the office and running all his design firm was amazing. And we instantly vibe and we were like, let's do this. We're in. And uh, did it have its challenges with working with a rock star and working with a firm out of New York city? But we made it work, and I think we came up with two incredible, incredible projects. One of them being our home. What a great, great story! I know you guys. Do you guys do other projects together as well? Uh, uh, Lenny, we did the the Stanley House, which we broke a record. It was ten blocks east of Fairfax, and we sold it for thirty three million, which was our development. It's eighteen ninety four NorthStanley dot com. If anybody wants to check it out, sold a few years ago, but it was spectacular it was everybody's favorite favorite home and it was a modern home but very organic brazilian organic modern and i think everybody saw that home and now is doing more woods more organic materials instead of the you know the shiny you know stones and the shiny chrome and the very you know kind of in your face modern the luxury market has been the last five years just over the top right like Crazy, right? Look at the developments and stuff. So, and you guys represented the one, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So let's talk about the one, because the one was was supposed to hit at five hundred million, or it did hit at five hundred million, right? Did it? Did it actually hit the market? It at never actually hit at five hundred. It was okay. never actually on the market at five hundred million. There was talks of it being five hundred million, and then it went to was it two fifty or three hundred? It was uh, so many two, different two, numbers. I think it was two eighty eight. 288, and then it's, it ended up with the, the long and sort of deep, you know, the saga, but yeah. it went to auction, right? It sold yeah. for what, 141? It sold for one, No, it was- Yeah, 141. Was it? Yeah, 140. Yeah. I thought it was 147. No, 141. Okay. So the problem with the one was, is incredible, but it had no CFO certificate of occupancy, and it, uh, it was, you know, a couple years from being, and people were, you know, the Bel Air community- so we were selling, come to find out the certificate of occupancy was a much, you know, it, it was much longer uh, uh, and it was going to cost a lot of money to get there. So we could have achieved, I believe, the 250 mark, but, you know, it, it was just who wants to buy a house with all the unknowns. And that's why it went down to 141, which was still, 
the second largest sale of the time, and it was an incredible property, but it still what's, wasn't completely finished. What's the largest sale right now? 177 in Malibu. In Malibu. Was that last year? That yeah. was last year, and then we currently had the sale before that, which was 110. Right. Um, the Peter Morton property in yep. Malibu, which was only around 8,000 square feet. Do you think, do you think, like, where does this end? Like, do you think these mega estates, is there, like, is there a ceiling where it's just like, okay, really a single family home, no matter how big and how la lush and lavish, is like, is going to top out at 200 million? Is it, is, or is there, is the sky the limit? Well, there's rumors right now of a sale going down, and I don't want to say because I don't want to spoil anybody's, and I'm hoping it goes through for 265 million. On the, here in SoCal? Yeah, yeah, here in SoCal right now. Wow. With uh, uh, an incredible property. And people go, oh, is it worth 265? And I go, yeah, it is. For what this guy went through, where the property is, and the architect, and, and all the colorful characters involved in it, yeah, it's worth 265. Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, price is what you pay, value is what you get, right? Warren Buffett. Cool. That's right. And the thing is, with if you're a billionaire, like price is totally not even relevant to the conversation. It's like, if this is me, if this is the one, like I'll, I'll pay what, what I'm going to pay. And if it's 300 million, 350, it doesn't matter. It's like, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to get it. I think people that have been very successful understand it better than ever. And it's basically, you know, it's, it's about, it's, it's the time you have in life. And when somebody has worked on a project, let's say this one that's going for 265 for 11 years, 12 years, it's been a 12 year project and probably cost them $150 million. And now they're selling it to, it's like the amount of work plus it can never be done again. It's really quality of time. And I think wealthy people understand like, God, okay. I understand why they're asking a premium. I mean, you could, you could work on an app for a year to have no inventory, not really build right. a massive structure and sell your company for $4 billion or whatever it is. Well, yeah. And what, what's, what's the value of 12 years of time, headache, hassle, dealing with the city, dealing with the permits, dealing with the back and forth, like 12 years of complete and total utter migraine. What is that? And, and you could go bankrupt during the property. Yeah. It's during like you have process. to put it yeah, yeah. during the pro process. It's you have to put up so much money. I truly think you're not going to see these big of homes in the future. First of all, Los Angeles and Southern California is cutting down on the size you yeah. can build on. And with inflation and the cost of these homes and the time and the brain damage, it's just it it, it really doesn't make that much sense anymore. The homes aren't catching up to the values of, of most of these properties, what it really costs and really the time it takes. And that's how I sell. I always say, well, let's look at it. Okay. So if you were just to buy this property, it's, you know, the property is a $10 million property. If you were to build this home, just hard cost, not soft cost and not cost of money, just hard cost. Let's say it's a thousand dollars a square foot and it's a $10,000 home. Now you're at $20 million. Now let's say soft costs, for architecture fees, permits are $1.5 million. Then the cost of money, because you probably have a loan, let's just give it another two to $3 million. Okay, you're at now $23, $24 million, and they're asking $30 million for them. Plus the time it took six years to build it. Like, 
Yeah. If you really break it down that way, yeah. It, I mean, it's and you're like, and then this person sold their tech company or in finance and are with you know x amount of dollars. You're like, come, uh, do you not want them to make money too? <laughs> you know. And, yeah, and the risk, and also you know, like Brandon said, you can lose it all during the process. So the person that's as residential builders, since we've crossed over that line and they've done it, you realize the big profits don't come from the residential developers unless they're doing it in big numbers like Niall Naomi was doing it in a time when he was doing it in bulk. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then, and, and, but now with the taxes, even in let, even if you're 1031, you're getting majorly hit on the, on the resale of it, because let's say it takes you all those years to build great. You're past the two year mark, but you're still paying 30, you know, 40% in taxes. With California state tax, you're, you're, and now they're trying to implement the homeless tax over five million dollars. Yeah, Do you know about no, that? No, I didn't hear about that. So yeah, what, there's going to be on the bill over five million dollars, a five percent homeless tax of anything over five million dollars sale. Wow, so, at one time or gone, yeah. Gone. yeah, on every and sale, new, new tacked on to every sale. So on top of your thirteen point three wow. state plus your capital gains. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're in Los Angeles County. It's very serious. It's very it's serious. Crazy. It's, it's really scary times. And, and right now, if you really look at the big mega homes that are being built, there aren't very many over 30,000 square feet anymore. And there were a lot of them that were being pumped out the 924 Bel Air Road, you know, the Bruce Mikowski house and the next yeah. door to that 908 Bel Air Road, the Dr. Raj Kanodia's house, which we have both of those. And there have been, you know, the one on Shalon that, that became famous for Dan Blazarian living there. There were a lot of these homes with that kind of square footage and now with you know first it was the hill first it was the uh mansionization then it was the hillside ordinance and now there's you know then it was the the the, the dirt hallway you know that they're they're cracking down and you're really not seeing homes over seventeen thousand square feet anymore so these yeah. these one-offs and the the one and these other very big homes are going to be like picassos because you just can't you really can't yeah they're they're fine art and there's one they're one of a kind and they're the, 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 you know, the, the values in the, the eye of the beholder. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. What question for you, what's the difference, um, of selling like a $5 million listing. Okay. And a $50 million listing, like this is more to the agent who are agents who are listening to this, who are scratching the head with these numbers talking about hundred million and they're, they're in Dallas or something and their markets topping out at 900 or a million. Um, what's the difference, like selling a five million dollar home or fifty? What What's the difference? Well, a, a, a five million dollar home, they're probably not going to cut your commission. You're not going to have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing, potentially get fired. Uh, and I mean, I love five million dollar homes. I love million dollar sales. I love two million dollars. When you take on these big homes, it take it could take years. It took us three years. Uh, to work on 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 924 Bel Air Road, it took us years to work on the one, and we put so much money and time and investment. It's almost like a big trophy with not a lot of money behind it. So it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. But does it help your resume? Does it help? Like you're the guy that sold that? Sure. Yeah, yeah Brandon's right. And, and they, you know, everybody tries to cut your fees down. There's several brokers usually involved. There's referral fee. I mean, it, the list goes on. It's not, 
it's not as glamorous it's as everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for the brand, right? It's brand yeah. equity. It's, it's cachet, but it's not the, where the money is. And <clears throat> yeah, it's more trouble almost than it's worth at the end of the day. The balance sheet at the end of the day is like, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of earned media, a lot of well, yeah. It's exactly. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it, you you get jaded, you get spoiled because you see the best of the best, and you know it's like so you kind of sort of don't get as excited when you see other things, but we still get very excited to see pure architecture or beauty in any level. Um, but but it is interesting why one percent of us do a hundred percent of the high end because you have to have the capital to back a listing like that. Yeah. And brokerages aren't going to do it for you. We spent, what did we, on the Minecraft house, we spent $300,000 marketing it. Yeah. So interesting. So question for you on this. So and what did that sell? That was like a $77 million? $70 million sale in 2014, which was huge. Are you guys impressed with my uh, my knowledge here on the- I'm blown away. Yeah. I'm like, are you- Come on, man. how do you know all of this? <laughs> are you a leader? I'm a, what's that? Are you a realtor? No, I'm a, I'm a media hack. I, 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 I have to be, you know, my knowledge is my source of income. You know what I mean? Well, so, hey, well, if you ever want to, if you ever want to come join the team, we'd love to have you. <laughs> hey, don't, don't, uh, don't tempt me. Okay. Might, might be there. We are. Um, we, I can we just move them. the media side of, of, you know, my company and just, we could just Let's be, go. Let's be go. we could go be rock stars. And it's funny. I'm a musician myself. Um, I want to ask you guys about music and bands because I look at the same thing. When I started this company, yeah. it was all about music. It was like Amazing. creativity. Amazing. Got to have that vibe. Got to have that soul. Um, you know, the, most of our, our guys here are musicians. That, you know, the, our team. Oh, I see the well. guitar in the background. Yeah. Well, see, there we, there. It makes our office is caddy corner to the Whiskey A Go Go. The Sunset oh, Strip. I got to experience it since I was a kid and I got to see the real Sunset Strip in the late 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And to me, it's kind of the holy grail of Los Angeles. So I, you know, our firm is called the Beverly Hills Estates, but we're on Sunset in West Hollywood, mm -hmm. caddy corner of the Whiskey A Go-Go. And I tell people like, do you even know what's gone down on these streets? The history that was oh made. God. So, so guess the doors were broken right there at the Whiskey A Go-Go. I used to sell ads for BAM magazine. No way. Yes way. Back in the heyday of BAM, Gazaris, that whole yeah. The script, oh, yeah. That whole thing. oh yeah, I went to Gazaris. I've got that cool poster and I have a little studio in my garage um, where the, it's Gazaris, it's Tower Records, you know that sunset, uh, that, uh, that thing, uh, it's so cool. Oh, yeah, that's a whole so other podcast. We have to do uh, another podcast about the strip and the good old rock and roll uh, LA days. Rainy never, she kind of, she came here in 2001. One. Well, she got to kind of experience it, but I mean, uh, it was just like, it was so beautiful, man. It was we, such a beautiful We play time. a video of the strip. Yeah, back in the on 60s our, uh, on our one of our TVs of a car driving down the strip and all the, you know, music clubs. And, and I, yeah, I got a million stories with being banned, but when I was in school, I went to Santa Barbara. We, we used to drive down to the strip to yeah, see bands. Yeah. And when Guns N' Roses came out with their first record, okay, yeah, 87. Appetite, appetite uh, we, were, uh, we were at Gazzari's and we walk out of Gazzari's, Axl Rose comes out of the door um, and I we go, dude, you're Axl Rose, yeah. And I go, your record it just came out like that week. And he, I go, it's, it's huge, love it. Can I get a photo with you? 
He's like, normally I've got a, a photo guy. I don't want anyone to take. So yeah, he goes, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're cool, man. I'll let you do a photo. So I got a <laughs> cool photo of me in, 80, in 87, like when Appetite was hit. It's just uh, like, that's what the Sunset Strip was. You're going to meet uh, all these crazy cats just, just cruising around, right? Uh, everywhere. I remember growing up in this area and seeing Billy Idol riding around on his motorcycle, no helmet, bleach bond hair on his Harley, the strip. Yeah. I remember seeing Motley Crue on their motorcycles, driving around, as a using it as their, as their, this is where they were going, running errands. It was yeah, insane. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, I miss it those days, man. Don't get me started. Seriously, don't do it. I'll start me crying. Too. I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so, UK Zeppelin, Rainy, what's, what's your vibe with music? Are you a rocker or what are you? I, I love I love rock. I love everything I, from rock to rap and everything in between. So hip hop, old school, new school. Which which one? Old Both? school. Yeah. Old school and new school when I'm working out. Nice. But I love I, Brandon and I love all the same things. So that's one of the things that brought us together. We always said we love the same fashion. We love the same music. We love the same architecture. We always have music playing in our clubhouse in our office. Our house, our home, always has music. And every time we're selling a property, we have the right music that fits that property. Here's so, what we have yeah. to do. We have to evolve. We'll, uh, we'll co-promote this, okay? Your next big bomber that you bring out, let's get a really cool band and throw a party with a, with a killer band. Like, let's like do a it. Band, I love that. Right? I love that, yeah. And it's yeah. invite only. And so this is – oh, don't tell anyone. Oh, we just did. did. We'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> We'll talk about it later. Maybe we can um, get Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, that's a good one to start. Totally. Um, how are you guys on time, by the way? I want to be sensitive We're to that. We're getting it? close. I have to um, be in math. What time is it? It's 10. It's 5 to 10, 12. Ooh, I have like 10 more good minutes. Okay, cool. So we, we can um, – do you guys have – just in terms of like – I got a million questions. We could go for forever, but obviously we can't. Um, Tell us a funny, can't believe it happened type story that with in your career with real estate. This is what like there's so many funny stories that happen every single day where you're just like, and I think really the key to life is recovery and how we recover and how we act. And obviously, there's times where like you're like uh, like so many times with me is the weather. Like I'm going to Malibu to show these properties right now and it's overcast in Malibu right now. And I'm just like, oh, drives me crazy. Like I want to do this beautiful sunny day and it's like this June kind of gloom weather yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, it, that weather for some reason really affects me and it drives me crazy. And I like, but I know I just have to show up and like, you know, be the ray of sun. But I mean, in terms of, and I think recovery is the key in life with anything and, and making it a positive and not, you know, letting this bum you out because, you know, there's a million different things that could go wrong where you think these people, it's the perfect house, they're going to buy it and they walk and they go, it's not right. And they walk right out. I mean, well, we, had, we have a great classic story of we couldn't believe it was happening it was like one of our first big deals. We were just going to lunch with a friend that had invited us to kind of network a little bit. And we were at the Beverly Hills Hotel at the pool and um, the three of us are eating. And I look over and I see 
these um like a big like bodyguard looking kind of guy like a really beautiful woman looks like maybe a model some children that are of asian descent and a and a, and a man who's kind of like rocker looking and cool like funky but you see it in la so it wasn't he wasn't that distinct but they had set up sheets in their hands mls set up sheets and i'm like brandon they got set up sheets because Brandon is so outgoing and he'll talk to people. And that's how we've made a lot of our business is just by talking to people. So he goes over and starts talking to them. Go ahead, take over. I just was like, where are you guys from? Because I love to know where people are from, whether it be a part in Los Angeles, whether it be, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in the country, whether it be, you know, overseas. And they said, France, Paris. I said, oh my God, I love Paris. It's my favorite city. I was just in Ritz surfing in France. Uh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're looking at real estate. And it was so obvious, but I set them up because, you know, I, I like to create a story. I said, look at real estate. Oh my God, that's what I do. I'm a realtor and I work in here in Beverly Hills. Where are you looking? And they said, we're looking at this house. We're devastated. We just lost it. We told our realtor to offer full price. They didn't offer full price. They offered $100,000 below. We lost the house. I said, what house? They said, it's on Kip Drive. I said, the orange Mediterranean, 7,800 square feet on a 21,000 square foot lot, seven bedrooms. They said, how do you know that? I said, I told you, this is what I do. Being a realtor, you got to know the inventory. You have 30 seconds to know your pitch and engage your client. And if they think they know more than you, then you're out. And they're like, oh my God, is this kid a whiz kid genius, knows everything on the market? And that, you know, I was lucky enough, I knew the house. And I said, you like that house? I said, there's something coming up. It's not on the market because we knew the inventory and this was early on in our career. And he was like, let's go see it right now. We literally jump in the car, show it to him. The guy walks around, looks around, looks at the living room, looks at the kitchen, sees an elevator, throws me a thumbs up sign, sits on the couch, lights up a cigarette, <laughs> lights up a cigarette and says, shut it down, offer full price. I said, dude, you can't smoke in here. You're literally going to get us banned from the real estate market. You can't smoke in the house. He goes, listen to my lips shut it down offer full price at the time i didn't even know what that meant i've never told shut it down offer full price and, and he goes go write a full price offer right now this is my house and it happened to be johnny holiday the elvis of of of, of europe and you know that was met, one of the many stories and that was our first big deal of five and a half million dollars of us being in the real estate market less than a year and that's kind of what blasted us off and propelled us and there were so many colorful characters i mean right now when you ask another story one time i get a call from because i got referred to for bruce willis and bruce willis was like meet me off of mulholland i'm like okay he's like meet me off of mulholland and Coldwater. i'll be on the side of the road i want to show you this 30 acre property that i own but you can see it best from mulholland so I've never met Bruce Willis before. I drive up there and Bruce Willis is just, he's like waiting on the side of mall. Like this is out of a movie, right? And he's just like this, right? He's like, and I'm like, holy shit, this is Bruce Willis. And I love Die Hard. Die Hard's one of my favorite movies ever. And I love Moonlighting, watching it as a kid. So I'm like, dude, this is Bruce Willis. He's so badass. And this was like, I mean, this guy's a true movie star character and when you meet bruce willis he's like what he is in the movies and he's just this badass cool movie star and we're literally on this like right off a of mall on this little side road and he's showing me the property there and like one car would come by and he'd be like step out of the way and kind of go like go through and like 
He's just like <laughs> looking at me like almost like he's about to say yippee kaye, motherfucker, out of die <laughs> And I was like, holy shit. He's like, okay, man. He's like, okay, yeah, you get it. You're cool. So here's, I want you to sell this property for me. And, you know, told, so-and-so told me you're a good guy. And it was just, you know, those crazy characters. Another story, when we were negotiating with J-Lo, I got her to spend more because the sellers weren't t taking it. She literally pushed me in the chest in the driveway when she first came up. And so I had no idea. She was like, you, she was like, I can't believe you got me to, to, to make me, you know, pay more than I wanted to pay. And she pushed me in the chest. And it was just like, I mean, there's so many crazy stories of what we do. Or there's another crazy story, and I just have to tell you because I know people like these stories. One day we go into a house off the Sunset Strip, and we're selling the house, third showing. We walk down the stairs. It's like a 10 o'clock showing, about to sell it to this guy who wants to buy it. And the guy is laying there on a big oversized rug with five girls, four girls wrapped in a rug with him in the middle, and they're all naked. Oh, my God. It's a true story. And I literally, and the guy looks at me and obviously had a long night with the girls and they were so tired and, you know, they were up probably up drinking all night. And he looks at me and I go, don't worry about us guys. We're going to keep moving through the house. I go, so here's the kitchen over here. And I just kept going. I'm like, check out the scale of this living room. And I just didn't make it a big deal. Like, holy shit, there's five naked people in this living room right now. Because we had a job to do, and that sell this property. And I was like, hey, this is kind of the lifestyle on the Sunset Strip. This is the allure of it. And because uh, it was like another young guy looking at this, like, ultimate bachelor pad. Oh, I love it. Uh, those are great. <laughs> those These are, are great. all yeah. So, all right. Well, let's let's uh, get some closing thoughts here and give it oh, a wrap. Oh, oh, I'm going to tell, tell one more story. Please, you guys are please. It's because okay? I like, and this is a story, too. So I meet with Steven Tyler. He always calls me because he potentially uh, thinks about selling his house. And he spent so much time, so much money. And it's kind of his dream house with the most incredible view. And he's like, everybody's telling me to take a loss on this house and sell it. And I'm like, Steven, first of all, where are you going to go? What are you going to do with the money? And you can never replace this again. And whatever these other realtors are telling you to take, don't do it. You're going to lose money. It doesn't make sense. Hold on to this property because over time, it'll 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 grow. And if you look at the 50, 100-year graph of real estate, sure, it's, it goes down, but then it goes like this. And then, it, but it usually grows up. It doesn't. It never. You never see it yeah. just tank. Like stay the there. market. Yeah. Exactly. Or like boats or cars or you know uh, uh, airplanes. It's the one thing we're selling. That usually over time, if you buy a good property, it goes up. And that's the that's the amazing thing about selling homes. And so, you know, I go to and, and Steven's the coolest guy. And of course, I want to sell, you know, Aerosmith's house. But I'm like, don't sell it. Keep this property. So we do that all the time where we try to. And I say, but hey, if you really want to sell, it, obviously, we'd love to sell. It. Obviously, we don't want to have you lose any money. So we're going to go you know, try to get you the most amount of money. But, you know, and I get random calls from Steve and Tyler all the time. Like, hey, man, thank you so much. I'm going to refer you my daughter. I'm going to refer you this person because, you know, you were the only realtor telling me not to take a loss. You're playing therapist almost, right? Like, it's okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is, and he, he's a, is he West Side, Steve and Tyler? All these guys? He, he's, uh, he's, you know, right around the Sunset Strip. Is he okay? That's where yeah. all those guys uh 
Gene Simmons is still at Beverly Hills. All those, there's so much. Yeah. It's just wild that the, the A-list oh. celebrities that live oh, in that. Oh, 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 well, we're also selling my idol, one of my favorite rocks. I probably think one of the best rock stars, front men of all time, Ozzy Osbourne's house right now. On Hancock Park. In, yeah. in Hancock Park. Oh, nice. And it's a gorgeous house. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, it's uh, 501 Hudson. And it's an amazing um, Spanish, um, completely redone. His wife, Sharon, has incredible taste. And it's on the market for 17.5. Guest house. It's a steel. Big flat piece of land. It's a steel. And it's got 30, gorgeous. It's the character of Hancock Park. And just it tells a story. And you could see Ozzy and the Osbournes living there. And I mean, I don't know about you, but. I don't think, I mean, I think Ozzy Osbourne, first of all, is one of the best musicians, one of the best front men of all time. I mean, Black Sabbath is just like, I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I just, I try, every time I put Black Sabbath on, my mind gets blown. Every time I hear Ozzy or see him. And so to work with these people for us is like, it's the ultimate kind of, it's the ultimate kind of like, you know, nod from God, like, you know, keep, keep doing the right thing and keep having fun. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Are they are they moving? Like, are they bailing California? Are they having? They're going to London. They're going to go to their. They've spoken about this, so we're not speaking. You know, I hope they're not. I hope they're not. I hate to lose Ozzy, but he might want to go. You know, retire in England. He supposedly has a really cool castle in England. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure he does, or a few. So guys, thanks so much for spending time. This is we have to do this again because there's there's more to cover, and you guys are awesome and fascinating. We'll do it anytime. It's a but pleasure. I, I I think too, if you know, I always like to inspire agents, and I like to help other agents out. And I love to give back. And our motto is, you can't keep it if you don't give it back. And it, we're not trying to hold stuff close to our yeah. chest. You know, we try to help people. We help people in deals all the time, and 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 really. You know, I believe it's, you know, overall, it's about being of service, helping others and having fun. And I think that's what why we're so blessed and get to work with so many great clients is because they want to hang out with us. And they're not saying we're just some greedy realtors just thinking about, oh, my God, we're going to sell your house. We're going to make this amount of commission. It's like we're going to go on a ride and we're going to figure it out. And sometimes it doesn't always work. We take on so many listings that we don't sell. Or people go, oh, my God, thank you for bringing this unbelievable offer. But we decided we didn't want to sell. And you know what? I've never said to anybody a bill. We're like, here's my time. Here's how much we spent on marketing. Like, we're hoping, hey, by the way, if you ever do decide to sell, hopefully you'll use us. And we've done a great job for you. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the ups and downs of real estate. So, you know, um, Anyways, thank you so much for having us.